Why do you build me up? Build me up. Critical bitch just to make me cry. Make me cry. Cause someone might die in the worst of all. Worst of all. I'll leave a cliffhanger on the. Episode 2 of the Unmasked Fancast. I didn't think we'd be here, folks. I thought it was just a one-off. But guess what? We're back. Ready for action. We're back, baby. <laughs> We're so sorry. <laughs> I will never apologize. <laughs> we are here bringing you unsanctioned new media, analyzing series of killer episodes and dramatics. For anyone needing commiseration about stressful turnout, that's unmasked fan cast. Although I don't know if we're really technically unsanctioned anymore. Yeah, we got <laughs> mentioned on a deep dive. I think at this point it's like we're not official, but you know they know unsanctioned what we are. Unofficial. <laughs> they listened to it. The creators of Critical Bits didn't send us a cease and desist, so we're still doing or a it. secret hitman. You know. <laughs> We're the we're the hush hush that's talked about under the table. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we're the podcast your parents don't want you to know about. <laughs> we're the podcast under the podcast. Oh God. Oops, <laughs> all podcast. We're the deep web of, of critical bits podcasting. <laughs> wow, I've never been a member of the deep web before. This is great. So we always said when we made the first one as a joke that if there was something we felt like we needed to talk about, we'd get together and do another one. And um, uh, Joel from uh, Critical Bits, I don't know if you know who that is, uh, if you're listening to Critical this. Critical Bits, um, what's that? Yeah, I think it's a podcast. I don't know, though. Oh, I love podcasts. Yeah. Mark Marin is so dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard tell that this is allegedly a comedy podcast that we are discussing. It could, in fact, be. I don't know. I don't. I don't have emotions, so I don't find anything funny. Yeah, yeah. I've never felt anything. I've never. This podcast has never made me feel emotions or things or. Despite what you may have heard, this is all an elaborate ruse. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're here to dis discuss one very specific thing that has been impressed upon us by a certain member of the podcast to be very mm. important: the pegs. Yeah, um, Aaron, if you wouldn't mind, you came up with the uh, episode title for this this episode. <laughs> yes, um, we've heard tell that apparently it's all about the pegs, um, so I figure it's only fair that our episode title is uh, Oops All Pegs, which of course <laughs> has little dots in between every letter, yeah, yeah, um, and stands for our own peg symbolism and analysis of listenable lore, a podcast episode guessing its significance. Oops, all pegs. So basically, if you haven't listened to Critical Bits, um, this is the perfect place to start. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but I will. we can do like a brief intro on like what the pegs are. Um, essentially, there's the Tom Vault, which looks like one of those shape block peg things that babies play with. And um, at the end of Tom Vault, um, when they got out of the Tom Vault, they uh, a little heart-shaped peg popped out, and uh, it was was it for Alex? Do we know that? 
think it was just for the fun bunch. It's not for Alex specifically, I don't it think. It was in reaction to all of the Tom Vault shenanigans and their creation of their own, like, pocket of the Tom Vault, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Like, it's more, like, connected to, like, the other side than it is to, like, a one person specifically, I think. Didn't, like, Yifrim technically make the, uh... The little uh, fun vault thing, because when it appeared, Wabe appeared again and said, Yiprim said thanks. And that was sort of the introduction of the fun vault. It's hard to say exactly what triggered what there, because like, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of weird stuff happening with souls and transitions into Zordon heads. And like, yeah. what, did the space come about as a result of that, or because Yifrim consciously made it, or, like, it's hard to say. Yeah, Yifrim is an interesting character, because, like, he's one of, like, a few characters that's been shown to be able to manipulate both sides, I think. I think we, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast. Well, I don't know if it's, I don't know about the other side, but he, uh, we did say on the last, I think, deep, or not deep dive, the last fan cast, that uh, his eyes did go black in his first appearance, so. Yeah, which is possibly. what Jerry's eyes do when he does his doom thing mm -hmm. but yeah i yeah. think i think that's enough to even if it wasn't at the time supposed to imply that i think at this point it can be safely said that it might be implying that he can manipulate mm -hmm. both which at this point that would make five characters that can man manipulate both <laughs> yeah we gotta talk yeah because there's like we we have alex we have jerry we have maybe yifrim and then we, we also have uh null and void oh my god <laughs> who were introduced recently Extremely cool, extremely cool characters. Um, I actually, um, I did know a little bit about them beforehand because Joel like DM'd me like, please draw them, Ooh. and I was like, hell yeah, I'll draw them. <laughs> and then I didn't. <laughs> and then I. Did. And then I didn't. Um, but then you did, and it was all okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, then I ultimately did, and it was very. I I like that drawing still. I've not yet gotten to the mm -hmm. point where I hate that drawing. I still think it's, it's so good, good. So I I love it a lot. Thanks. But yeah, Nolan Void, they're identical twins. They've got, they both can, I wonder if it's, I wonder if it is like a genetic thing that they can both manipulate. Well, no, they can't manipulate both. Only one can manipulate another side and one can I, mani I manipulate so, yeah. the other side. That's why, which is the one that's trapped. Hold on. I have it here. Oh, um, oh God, I've already forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think Null. It's Null. <laughs> Null is the one Null that's trapped. Null is trapped in a trapped in a void ironically yeah 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 yeah. and it's sort of like <laughs> weird alternate portal dimension which can we talk about how sad that is, that is and, so Kaylin, you were telling sad. us at one point listen hi my name is Kaylin. um if you know me on the internet or in my real life at all you know that i have a sister her name is carrie she's way funnier than me go follow her on twitter at kre bunny when joel began describing how Null and Void became separated because the, their whole thing is one of them can create these portals and then the other one can can get stuff out of the portals. Is that isn't that how it works? Oh, I can't even remember the specifics. I haven't been able to I review think, the episode, on, yeah. unfortunately. Joel sent me a description of their powers when he described them to me. I can pull okay. it up. Sorry, Amy, what were you about to say? I was just gonna say I think both of them have to be present. So I think mm -hmm. like one could open it, but the other one has to be there in order to close it. So, okay. like, yeah. right. so someone could no. go in, in theory, but you can't get back out without the other one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what were you saying, Lance? The way he described it, Null can negate powers and control another side energy, and Void can summon portals and a sword from another side. 
Um, so they both control another side energy, but Noel in the episode is shown also manipulating other side energy. So I'm not sure if that's just a typo. Or was it void? Oh, wait, wait, wait. It was because her powers were neutralized. Yeah. Oh, God. That's what it yeah. was. Because oh, here's, wow. here's what I'm happens. Sad again. Here's what happens to those precious twins of evil and destruction. They get separated, which means that a portal... So one of them goes into the portal, and then the portal gets closed. They both have to be there for the portals to open. Yeah. Which inevitably means that Null and Void are forever separated. Yeah, regardless regardless of the minutia of how their powers work and how they interact with the other side and another side. One of them is trapped forever, ostensibly, until the fun bunch gets their shit together and goes and rescues her. And you can can hypothesize that these two probably have spent most, if not all, of their life together, especially since their powers are so intertwined with one another. And they're identical twins. As a sibling who is uh, presently forced to be separated from her sibling to whom she's very close with. I hated that. And I cry- I had to stop the episode because I was crying so hard I couldn't Aww. hear what was going on. Aww. I know. My brother and I live in the same city now, but for, for years we didn't. And I was so happy when he finally moved here and we could finally hang out all the time again. And now it's kind of go- gone back to the way it was with us just having to talk over text all the time. There's like a thing this show has with like evil twins. I don't know if Null and Void are strictly evil the same way John Samin and John Ji Woo are because it seems like they're more uh, like money motivated like that's why they were going after the fun bunch but yeah um, they seem more like mm. mercenaries yeah I whereas John Samin and John <laughs> yes. Ji Woo are like literally killing machines well we also li- love John Samin and John Ji Woo though we do we love them so much I don't so think much. anyone loves them more than Caitlin though oh my god listen <laughs> I do um <laughs> Yeah, I love them very much, but I do have like I do have some issues with them and how they're sort of like characterized. Yeah. Um it's 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 a complicated thing because they are the mm-hmm. only like one of I think there's like Null and Void are also canonically not white, they're both black, but like they're one of very few characters who have like a canon race and more than that, they're one of even fewer fewer characters that have a canon non-white race. And it just sort of feels, it feels weird that when they're introduced, they're just called the K-pop twins. Like, even before anything was revealed about them, I thought that was a little bit, uh, I don't know yeah, that always, about that. that always made me really uncomfortable. It's, it felt like kind of an othering thing to, like, have them be, like, just the K-pop twins and not say anything and not be able to speak up for themselves. Yeah, like, they can't speak, and that is part of, you know, because they are just big mouths whose vocal cords can only make K-pop sounds. But yeah, you're right, yeah. Aaron. It does sort of feel othering that they can't express themselves in any kind of way. And they don't seem to be... It's really not until prom that we see them express any kind of emotion to imply that they sort of have, have like an inner life to them. And it's not like... Like there are real human people who can't speak. And they find ways of communicating like either through ASL um, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I want to say real yeah. quick, this is not me like trying to be like cancel critical bits because they did a racism no, no. one time. We're um, just allowed to criticize the media that we yeah, like. Yeah, this and is it us being be a thing that makes you cancel the whole thing. This is us being critical of something we love very much. And uh, for me specifically, critical, I, of critical and, bits. And for everybody else in this po- podcast, I think characters who we love very much. I love 
John Samin and John Shiwu very much. And I love yes. that they're very big mounts that just eat and kill. But yeah, uh, the, the problem <laughs> is that they are like, it's a problem when they're like the sole representative of like people of color for the longest time. Yeah, yeah. Like if they were balanced out by other characters of other ethnicities, it wouldn't be quite as big an issue, I feel like. Yeah, or if, yeah, if there were other Asian characters too. Yeah, other Asian characters specifically as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's sort of my... That's something I've been thinking that's like kind of always bothered me about them. And I didn't really for a long time have a way of like, I didn't know how to express that, but I was finally able to sort of like get my my thoughts down. So I wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's it's a fair criticism to make. And I think it certainly is. It's great that in the time since we do again now have Null and Void, we also have like a bunch of more like active working towards like bringing diverse cast members and guests onto the show itself like in terms of like guest players and spider day players and all that as well yeah that's what's really more important you know like bringing actual people of color onto the show and like it would be one thing to like have a a huge cast of characters that are all very diverse but like ultimately like real human people of color (laughs) are more important yeah uh, than like the the fictional characters although the depiction of uh fictional characters who aren't white is also very important Mm -hmm. ideally a mix is good especially i think with this it's when you have a player come in it's almost like they're the writer it'd be weird if they're like okay well we're gonna put more diverse characters in but we're never going to bring in someone with that same identity or background Mm -hmm. to play that person i think it's it's important that like even though we're like kind of relatively smaller media makers and consumers, it's important to still have these conversations. I think it's also important to not rip each other apart about it because that will just defeat the purpose. But mm-hmm. I think it's important to also not sweep things under the rug. Yeah. That being said, I do love John Samin and John Jibu. I just want their names. Yes. Like, I want their names to be used more, you know? Yes. <laughs> like, they're they're named after, like, actual K-pop idols, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are. So speaking of John twins. Yes. Oh, yes. So one of my dreams... Okay. <laughs> Let me just backtrack for a minute. Talking I think about I've heard ki- some of this, and you def- I definitely think you all need to hear this. <laughs> so talking about giving good representation in characters, as well as uh, with some of the choices for guests and friends of the show that Critical Bits is making, which is super awesome and encouraging and exciting to see. I think that Critical Bits can do more... With these beautiful, beautiful John twins. <laughs> and as such, I would like to hey, hey, hey everybody. Why don't you why don't you come on here? Oh, come oh, come oh. settle in. Hang on, let me get comfy. This is Kaylin's <laughs> Chaos Corner. We're Yay! just gonna hang out here in this corner. <laughs> Lance brought up an idea in our little text group message that I have taken and written six pages about. Can so I, <laughs> can I real quick read out the quote that spawn spawned all of this? Please do, Lance. So I think it was like a month or two ago, I wrote in our little group chat, thought, the problem with with John Samin and John Jibu is they are God's perfect killing machines, but they are both 5'1", so Jenkins keeps picking them up and sitting them back in their desks to teach them about basic ethics, the good place style. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's just such a good mental picture. I, being me, have latched on to this idea. And I'd like to present to you, my uh, compatriots, and you, the listeners, what I like to call Project Reformation, a.k.a. the Janky John Initiative. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> uh, I, have, I have compiled the evidence 
leading to uh, the proposal and the eventual outcomes. <clears throat> Evidence. One, both Jenkins and the John twins are introduced and they immediately change the tone of the show in their own individual ways. Jenkins is introduced in episode one, Welcome to Heavendale. He is introduced as an intimidating daycare agent. And then for about 0.2 seconds, it's that way. And then they done got goofed after that <laughs> because uh, the cast likes to take a thing and goof it. And that's what happened with all the daycare agents, including Officer Jenkins. The John sisters were introduced and created an air of intensity which was compounded when they were revealed to be working alongside Ratfink. Like at first, the fun bunch just see them in the hallway and then they show up and it's like, oh man, since Kim didn't do her job, they got these ladies, these lovely ladies. In episode eight, <laughs> actions have consequences. Um, Jenkins talks too much. On their first meeting, he immediately volunteered his name, that his best friend was a drug dealer and his fear of spiders, along with some other information that was later used against him. And then uh, the John twins don't talk at all. Um, they're only oh capable God. of producing K-pop music. Another good dynamic there. Uh, Jenkins used to beat up teens, and the twins murdered a teen baby. And so I think that that's another commonality between the two. Jenkins is rough and tumble on the outside, but a sweet janky bear on the inside. As the John twins... Are normal teens on the outside, but just teeth on the inside. Only teeth. <laughs> Kaylin, you're going to make my audio clip. <laughs> Both Jenkins and the John twins have found worth in the Mind Palace. Jenkins from being the innkeeper and the twins from just killing lots of, <laughs> lots of things. Just methodically and very, very cleanly. Um, both of them have worked for fascist organizations. Jenkins has proven to be fascinated by the John twins, uh, which could easily transition to a desire to want to help them. Jenkins has proven to be able to control powers and forces within the Mind Palace slash Doomhole. And so this no. leads me to <laughs> this leads me to my proposal. I propose that Jenkins has nothing but time within Jerry's mind prison, as evidenced by the terrifying tick-tock noise whenever Jerry uses his doom powers. Jenkins needs something to occupy his mind so he doesn't go completely insane. I personally believe that people, when given the opportunity, can change and become better, even people who are manufactured in a weird detention or daycare lab. <laughs> that being said, therefore, my proposal is that Jenkins, already taking a personal interest in the John Twins, would be ideally situated to assist in the education and reformation of the John Twins into semi-productive members of society. Using the growth experience through knowing the fun bunch and healthier coping mechanisms, Janky Bear can begin productively using the powers of the mind prison to assist in the redemption slash reformation of the twins and potentially other villains therein. This is a good idea because A, it shows a further growth arc for one of my personal favorite characters, and B, it means we get more of the John twins, which the deep, dark, body horror loving part of me that Critical Bits Awaken craves incessantly. <laughs> I love it. I want this to be stated for the record. I said my thing is a joke. Because <laughs> it was like a funny picture to me. And Kaylin just went off on it. And now I, I love it. And I need it in my soul. I know I just said that we shouldn't rip each other apart about stuff, but if we don't get this canon in Critical Bits, I will riot. I will riot. We will riot. 
this podcast will become an anti-critical bits. <laughs> Hashtag janky John Redemption Squad. <laughs> Listen, I have I have listed the outcomes of said proposal, and they are thus. Uh, one, Lance's original thought of The Good Place style ethic lessons. The Good Place was a very popular television show, and part of it was because of the ethics brought up. Imagine those ethics now being taught to two manufactured mouth creatures whom we love and adore by a man who just wanted teen friends and had a mental breakdown about it. It's just like, it writes itself. It writes itself. And he's still trying to learn how to not be fascist. Yeah, it's great. Y'all, this is great merch. <laughs> also, a further outcome, John Somin and John Jiwoo learning to talk via K-pop clips. Okay, one of the issues raised is that they don't know oh, how to like talk. like Bumblebee style. Yeah, Bumblebee style K-pop clips. Who better to teach them that than Jinky Bear? I see no other qualified individual in this podcast to do so, honestly. It turns out this oh, whole time no he's been a huge vault. fan of the Transformers. Uh, and he just shows them that yeah. movie. And he's like, do that. Yeah, listen, we can even bring Herbie in on this if, if we want to go that far. Imagine this. Jenkins, in his lovable way, training the John twins to eat the rich. Literally. Yes. <laughs> we can we can finally have characters yes. who can eat the rich. I, th 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 that's all I'm saying. Also, okay, I wrote this out. It's my my dream. Mm -hmm. Okay, listen. Mm -hmm. Imagine Jerry pops in unexpectedly, unable to find Jenkins, and begins to get worried. He goes to all the rooms slash cells and finally finds Jenkins in the room with John Somin and John Ji Woo. And it's set up like a 1980s movie schoolroom with Jenkins. And he's writing on the blackboard, but in that weird mental prison writing that doesn't actually make sense. And they're actually paying attention and only snack on a fake mind prison person when Jenkins isn't looking. Basically, I want Jenkins to be the Mr. Feeney of the villain reform. And I need it. <gasps> I need this. I legitimately need this. And if the Critical Bits cast don't do it, then I need Kaylin to make a separate fan cast, a fan fiction yeah. cast about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in summary, the John twins need to be like Bumblebee the Transformer and learn how to talk via K-pop clips, and uh, Jenkins will teach them how to be semi-productive members of society, and then we can have more of them eating people, and that's really all I want. <laughs> I think this leads <laughs> perfectly into the, them eating the rich part. There is yes. a dilemma in this show that has been unstated so far um, on the show itself, but it's been stated out of the show many times that uh, Ken De Niro is there specifically for the Fun Bunch to kill. This way, the Fun <laughs> Bunch doesn't have to get blood on their hands. You know? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> there is an ethical way to do this for them, and that's just, like, teach the John twins ethics, and then those ethics be kill all transphobes. Um... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not they advocating can, for any real world violence. Bigoted attitudes. <laughs> Sorry, Kaylin. I appreciate this theory, but now I'm having like flashes of if Jenkins were doing the trolley problem. Oh no! Like they do in the that good one. play. <laughs> that one wouldn't work. I just think of all the characters on Critical Bits, Jenkins is the only one qualified to teach ethics. That's all and he that does have nothing but time on his hands. Yeah, think of all the ethics books he could read in the mind prison really quickly, because he can now go through data really fast since we, we learn. I just think it's perfect. 
God. I just think it's 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 the only the only way that critical bits can continue, really, in my mind. Kaylin, you say this, you say that he is the only person qualified. But I, I I can think of one other person. I'm not saying it's my favorite character in the podcast, Toolboy, but I'm saying it's my favorite character in the podcast, Toolboy. I love him so fucking much. <laughs> I listen. But like like legitimately, I do actually kind of like that as about him as a character, that he is very much um he's not a good mentor in the sense that he teaches good lessons. I mean, it's arguable whether or not the lesson shoplifting is okay is a good lesson or a bad lesson. Like, we could argue about that, but I'm not going to. Um, oh, don't even. <laughs> Twitter mean, argued about that recently. I'm just saying he has been shown to teach lessons to teen girls <laughs> who are sort of not really knowing where they are in the world and what they want to do with their lives. And he's like, hey, why not shoplifting? You know? So, I'm just so what you're saying. saying is a charming substitute teacher gets brought in one day. Yeah, a charming substitute teacher. And he, yeah, he's the one, he turns the chair backwards. And he's like, listen, you guys are monstrosities. I'm a monstrosity. And then he like turns his arm into something weird. I don't know. Then like, does the chainsaw <laughs> thing again, like he did in the bonus episode, which I am so glad that that has been released to the public so people can know. Yes. I mean, people already know why how why I love Toolboy so much. Maybe not publicly. Maybe the people in this who are listening to this don't know why I love Toolboy so much. And Lance, I know you said you didn't want to argue if shoplifting was bad, but I think really he's just teaching everyone there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Um, and like it was like a demon mall, so like is it really a crime to steal from demons? <laughs> I mean, I guess. Wait, sorry, you talked about demons. Now I have to bring up Tiny Tommy again. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> <laughs> Why Lord. was he so bad? <laughs> we were all so excited when he, when Shelby like riffed him into existence and then it was like a monkey's paw situation. <laughs> You have to be careful with riffs on this show because they either turn into horrible mares or like huge actual play events or 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 you become weird semi-racist acrobats. Oh my god. No. Uh, Shelby curse you. We were just going to be weird magicians and then you made us racist. I say that because Lancifer and Lucifer are named after me and my and my sister. My name's Lance and her name is Lucy. But her name is actually short for Le Lucifer. Like, get no mistake on that. Like, that's real. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> that's rad. Is it legally short for that? No, but is it short for that? Yes. On the subject of, like, Toolboy and all them, I just love the mechanics in general. They're all so great. Yes. So great. I love them so much. What a good. I do sometimes. Another fun bunch, as you might say. Yes, they I are another talking. fun bunch of people. I know, Kaylin, you've talked about how much you love to think about the John twins um, eating people. I have a bad thing also that I like to think about, which is I kind of like thinking about Disruptor imploding the bones in Ratfang's hand one by one. Um, that's like not like a good thing about me, but that is a true thing about me that every once in a while I'll just start thinking about that. I mean, he did say he wasn't going to kill him. But he, he did. That would I be mean, so good, though. It's very good. Can you imagine that scene? It's so cinematic. It's wonderful. His um, hand just gets flatter and flatter. Oh, wow. I love it. Oh, no. <laughs> it's just deflating. <laughs> that reminds me of like the the scenes in like looper where like people's 
body parts are like just disappearing. Yeah. No. <laughs> but yeah, I think about that sometimes. Oh man. I really can't wait to see like the rest of the mechanics in more detail someday too. Oh, like absolutely. we met most of the other mechanics and we certainly have met them uh, more in um dark eyes. <laughs> yeah. But I still want to meet like more like spare parts and radio. Yeah. And- <laughs> With Toolboy, though, I know I've kind of gone off on a sort of in a, in a semi-joking way about how much I love him. But like, Aaron, I was talking to you about this off mic, but like, mm-hmm. Toolboy for me has actually been a really genuinely great character in my for me in my real life. And he's not the only character like this that I've encountered uh, in my life. But he's the first one of his kind that I've sort of like openly and unashamedly embraced as like, oh, <laughs> oh, that's me. That's me. I'm that. Um, I'm not gay, but I, I am bi and I am a man and I am very effeminate. I don't know if you can tell that about the everything about me. Um, <laughs> um, I had a very hard time coming to terms with that as a, you know, as a trans guy. You know, it's a sort of thing where like when you want to pass, you go hyper masculine, and that's just not me. And so. I had encountered characters like Toolboy in the past where it's just like, you know, this is a very effeminate male character. Like, I think Metaton is a pretty good example. It's one I encountered very early in my transition where I just like, I liked him, but there was like something about him that made him uncomfortable. And it was the things I had in common with him, his sort of flamboyance, his sort of like theatricality. And then when I finally, like years later, got into Critical Bits and Toolboy came up at first, again, I didn't really like him because I actually, I thought he was a teen at first. And so I was like, oh, who's this kid? But then it's like, oh no, he's an adult and he's just like that. And I'm like, oh, oh, I kind of want to be like that. I kind of want to be, I want to be like unashamed of like um, how flamboyant I am and how um, goofy I am, you know, and how like petty I can be sometimes. But like, you know, maybe not that so much, but like, yeah, like the sort of like loud and proud sort of thing and like i said he's not the only character like that that i've encountered but he was definitely the first one that i was able to like openly embrace as like yeah that that's me well and like something that's really nice about Toolboy is no one ever like makes his femininity like a thing no it's not like a joke it's just like he's just like that yeah he's just like that and everyone loves him and it's like part of his personality but it's not all of him it's just it's nice and disruptor's not like ashamed of him or anything like that Mm -hmm. or like doesn't like make fun of him for being effeminate which uh i don't know that's that's something that i've yeah if anything loves him all the more for it yeah he loves that about him he loves him for him and that's just something that just like heals my soul a little bit you know I think that's one of the things that makes Critical Bits a good show is that so many of these characters that are first introduced, like when Toolboy first was introduced, the joke was that not only could Toolboy become the tools, but also was kind of a tool. And he you still know, is. That, He's still kind that, of a tool. <laughs> that, that was the whole shtick. He was, and, it it kind of got like a, almost like an annoying kid sidekick vibe at first. Yeah. Yes. Like Batman's Robin, but extra and an (laughs) adult and an adult adult. (laughs) and so i think it's a similar thing with the reason that i adore jenkins so much yeah is because i mean he was this weird daycare agent dude that then had a mental breakdown and held a drug dealer at gunpoint yeah and the fun bunch ended up taking them to jerry's basement and alex showed him how to use worry journals 
Yeah. I think there are so many examples of characters that start off as one way in the show, but because of being introduced to the Fun Bunch and the things that happen surrounding the Fun Bunch become completely different, like, well-fleshed-out, relatable characters. I mean, even looking at Nolan, who started off as, again, another kind of, like, Joe character slash I'm gonna shove plot down your throats <laughs> character for Joel to use. Exposition vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> he has become this really cool, interesting character mm. through all of the players' collaboration. And I think that's almost an extension of the sort of thing where, like, bits have consequences in this you know like spider day being a one-off thing and then it has now become a six hour uh sequel to itself or like i know this wasn't intentional from the beginning but like say something like the bringing into existence of wet pins and the golden pin in episode Mm -hmm. two finally coming back into play like later as like this gigantic like moving forward of the plot thing yeah it's all interconnected sort of thing where like on a meta level, you know, yeah. like, oh, that probably wasn't planned. But, like, in a in-universe way, that was always like that. Well, and Wet Pins, I think, in, in general, is, like, a gen- like a great representative of the show on that level as well. Just because, like, it started out as, like, an accidental riff. Like, it's not even an, <laughs> in- an intentional riff. It's something that Joel misheard. <laughs> but that eventually shaped itself into, like a core part of the show's identity with its like horrible horrible restaurants that we all like are so endeared to anyway <laughs> yeah 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 it's definitely a thing where like i think an unintentional theme of the show is that like little little things have a lot like have a huge depth behind them you know that mm-hmm. maybe you don't see it first and maybe you don't really like pay attention to it but when you start paying attention to it you're going to like realize like oh this thing or this person has so much behind it that i didn't know about at first oh shit we forgot to talk about the pegs <laughs> guys i really have got to go it's too late i know it's oh getting my god late. well <laughs> oh no <laughs> no well i, I guess well, all right. Well, we had we did a thing, I guess. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Fuck it. This is the episode. I mean, I guess the pins count as pegs, I think right? We did mention them, at least. We mentioned them, and we talked about them. <laughs> and eventually, we got back to them in like a really neat, beautiful, thematic way. But Yeah, because the pegs are kind of all part of that as well. <laughs> Yikes. Well, um, that's, that's the connection that threads this all together. What the fuck are the they, the red though? string on the murder board. It all goes back to the pegs. It all goes back it's to the pegs. It's all about the pegs. And there we go. It, it has been all about the pegs. It's all about Oops, the pegs. Oops, all pegs. Oops, all pegs. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, my name is Kaylin. You can follow me on Twitter at BiggieKK. I'm Lance, uh, Lance Rando online. You'll never know my real last name. Um, oh God, that's not a dare. Please don't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and you can find me at Bibliophage413 on Twitter and also at Critical Bit Memes, Critical Bits Memes with a Z on the memes bit. (laughs) Um, I post memes mostly from the discord very occasionally. Um, invisible intruder in car invisible intruder in car i made the real life version of that that's my biggest com- contribution to the fandom okay lance okay not all the art that you know that's the one that's the one i'm most proud of do. yes i i should say that i my sweater that has your tom vault art on it is very cozy oh yay
Also, Kaylin and I both commissioned Lance before, so if you're thinking about yes. it and he's taking commissions, I am right do now. It. Um, I am Don't currently sleep taking... on that opportunity, folks. Lance captured the essence of who I am. <laughs> I put it in way. a little bottle and then I <laughs> spread it all over my screen. <laughs> That's how I make art. So good it became the hot new critical bits emoji of 2020. Oh, stop, oh. we're not talking about that. <laughs> I'm Erin. You can find me on Twitter at Erin Cerise, E-R-Y-N-C-E-R-I-S-E. You can also find me on YouTube at that same address. Um, and I guess by the time this releases, I'll be able to say that uh, you'll soon be able to catch me on a new podcast. <laughs> you'll be able to listen to that. Uh, it's called Super Idols RPG. It's another Masks podcast with a few magical girl homebrew tweaks. Uh, and you'll be able to find that at superidolsrpg.wordpress.com. Nice. From what I've heard of it, it is uh, very cute and very good. And I so love it. So cute. And you all need to listen to it or I'm not your friend. My name's Amy. You can find me on Twitter at Amy Margs. That's A-M-Y-Y-M-A-R-G-S. And you can also find me on the Discord. That's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) We love you, Amy. We refuse to record without you. You've contributed so many, so many of our beautiful theories. Amy is the Amy is the the hand behind the murder board. Not in like she's doing I'm the, the murders, invisible but red like string. Yeah, yes. <laughs> she's the red string holding us together. If I'm not here, it's not thematic. Elk doesn't mean anything, but leak. No, leak is something. Leak is something. Leak is something. Well, y'all have been listening to the Unsanctioned New Media Analyzing series of killer episodes and dramatics for anyone needing commiseration about stressful turnout, aka unmasked fan cast. Oops, all pegs. Kind of. I mean, yeah, we talked about the pegs twice, at least. Yeah, and we tied it all together. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. fine. We did it. Hey, great acting, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Got you, Joel. (laughs) <laughs> we will never talk about the pegs. Fucking got him. Punked. <laughs> got him. <you. laughs>